All right, we are in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 22, servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, uh, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Uh, masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word tonight, and I thank you that we uh, can come to the mercy seat, and you have bid us to come, and we can uh, leave our anxieties and our cares with you, and, and I pray you'd help us to do that faithfully, and trust you, Father, to work things out for us that we might glorify your name. And Father, I pray for the filling of your spirit tonight and, and to help me ministering the word. I pray uh, for Lisa ministering to the deaf tonight, filling with your spirit and, and teaching them. And, and Father, I pray for those in the nursery tonight and just fill with thy spirit watching the children. So good to be in your house. I'm blessed to be in a church with so many just faithful laborers and workers and prayers and Father, just thank you and praise your name. And, and I pray, dear God, once again, that you'd speak to our hearts afresh and anew. Help us to apply your word and draw, draw close to you. Help us to be faithful and busy while we wait for you to return. And that our hearts would be, would be set on things above. Uh, Father, we, uh, we do pray. Uh, we do ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right, um, pray for the Cooks, too. They have a hurricane just south of them, about 300 miles, I think, south of them where they're at. So uh, pray for that um, as well. All right. Let's see where we got. We got see relationships at work. Yes, we plunged into that, started here last week. We looked at employee to employer relationships. Uh, principles of, of, of governing first century slaves apply to Christian workers today. And I think that's uh, about as far as we uh, had got going through the, uh, the work relationship there. It's interesting to note that uh, uh, the Bible uh, does not uh, directly address the issue of slavery. Um, and of course, in the context here, that's what servants are. We, we, we've seen that, but also seen how it applies to the, the employee-employer uh, situation. But uh, uh, the Bible doesn't uh, directly address the issue of slavery. Jesus came to address the needs of men that are greater than social issues. Uh, he came to save us from the bondage of our sin. And uh, the bondage of sin will send you to hell. Uh, the bondages of society, whether it be slavery or unjust imprisonment, can never do that. Um, there were many disciples whom Jesus did not deliver from the bondage of their corrupt societies. They were imprisoned and martyred, many of them, 
yet they were that yet they were saved so no one could stop them from worshiping and serving Christ even as prisoners an unsaved slave owner is under more bondage than his born again slave and that's just the truth and uh, uh, and so uh, that's why perhaps why Jesus didn't come focusing upon trying to straighten out societies if 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 he can if someone will receive them in their personal life, uh, God, Christ will change their hearts. Amen. Uh, and from that, societies can be changed. Uh, in John eight uh, thirty six, Jesus said, "If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed." And uh, by the way, that's true freedom. Whether you're a, a slave in, in, in bondage, as some were here uh, in the New Testament, whether you're imprisoned for, uh, for your faith, you're free inside. And you're freer than a person that's lost. You have a home in heaven. You have things that the earth cannot take away. And, uh, and, and you know the freedom of, uh, of spiritual freedom. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote... Uh, Accordingly, along that line of thought, in 1 Corinthians 7.20, he writes, Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? That would be a slave in the, in the New Testament context. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. Don't have an over-anxiety about your situation and your position as a slave, if you're a slave. Art thou called being a servant? care not for it if thou mayest be made free he's not saying that well uh, well if, you know, if you're a slave just stay that way he's not saying that he's saying don't have an over anxious uh, attitude towards that if you're wanting to be free he says if but if thou mayest be free if you see the opportunity where you can be free you're wanting to be free and you and you're seeing that you may that get opportunity he says if, if if thou mayest be free use it rather What's he talking about there? Well, he, he tells us, verse 22, 1 Corinthians 7. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is what? Christ's servant. Uh, you are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Say, wait a minute, doesn't that last part kind of contradict what we're talking about? No. Because a Christian slave, once they're born again, is no longer a servant of men. They're a servant of Christ. They're a servant of God. Uh, the moment they're born again, even as a slave, they are to work for their master as a servant of Christ. And so uh, once, we're, once we're born again, we all uh, become servants of Christ. Uh, but Paul had said to the slaves, he says, don't be over anxious about it. If thou mayest be made free, use it rather. In other words, if you're wanting to be free, make sure that you're wanting to be free so that you can be Christ's bond slave. You know, this, this idea of, well, I, I want to be free, and then I can do whatever I want to do, wherever I want to go, uh, uh, you know, whatever I want to be. That's not for the Christian. Uh, once we're born again, we are to be whoever God wants us to be. Amen. We are to submit ourselves, what? As bond slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, Paul kind of uh, wants them to keep that focus in mind. Nothing wrong with that, but don't forget, once you're saved, uh, you're supposed to, we are supposed to submit ourselves as God's slave and, uh, and labor for him.
Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye that you might walk worthy of the vocation with you are called. See, Paul was imprisoned uh, unjustly, I would say. You know, he was, he, he, uh, he was a, 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 an unfair society prisoned him, imprisoned him. And yet what? He said, I'm, I'm the Lord's prisoner. Because he knew God controls all things. If evil comes my way, God had the final say in that. And that's the same for you and for every believer. And we still serve God. Whatever ill may come our way, we serve God. And uh, uh, by the way, uh, because we consider what our Lord did for us. Uh, uh, by the way, he had a, a mock trial and they, they broke it out of their own laws and the trials that they put him through. But we didn't see the disciples uh, picketing after that, did we? Uh, he took that, didn't he? And, uh, and, and, and that wasn't his main focus. He came to what? Save us from our sins. Save us from our sins. Both the penalty practice and then one day the presence, the presence of them. Uh, Paul wrote about his imprisonment. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. God used Paul's unjust bondage to further the gospel. So he was still what? Freely serving Christ in the way that God wanted him to, even while he was a prisoner. He went, in, he went on to write, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all places, in all, other, in, in, in all the palace, and in all other places. Caesar may have got Paul but Paul got some of Caesar's household, amen? And, uh, and God worked through him, and some of Caesar's family were saved. And God was still using Paul uh, there. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.8, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. That's how he was treated. Even under bonds. But what? But the word of God is not bound. I'm still, I'm, still, uh, I'm still Christ's free man, as, as he had written in the, in the previous scripture. Still serving God, you know, as God, as God want, wants him to. So uh, that was the main, the focus of Christ. Now, however, praise God, the intrinsic value and dignity of human life is so replete in the scriptures along with the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, these things combined eventually moved societies to abolish slavery. And it was that change within uh, that the Holy Spirit would bring, uh, to, bring that, uh, to, bring, to bring that to pass. We think about in Christ, uh, our standing in Christ, Colossians uh, 3.9. In Christ there is neither uh, Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, Bond nor free. Bond nor free. Uh, Galatians. For you're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That pretty much levels a playing ground, don't it? Uh, and uh, uh, where there is what? Neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. Male nor female. You're all one in Christ. And uh, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, uh, it's recorded that Paul had preached, uh, preaching to them that he said that God, in Acts seventeen twenty six, hath made of one blood 
all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So in God's eyes, there's one race. It's the human race. <laughs> and we're made by, uh, we all have one blood. We all bleed red, don't we? And, uh, and we were what? The, every human being was what? Made in the image of God. And so eventually these truths sinking into the hearts of believers especially began to, 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 to turn them away from that thought of slavery. That someone, their equal in God's eyes would be treated as such. And societies uh, uh, began to change. Jesus uh, said in Matthew 23, 8, uh, he says, he says uh, Be not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. I, that, that levels the field, doesn't it? We have one master that we are to submit ourselves to. That's Jesus Christ. And all the rest of us, we're brethren. Uh, we are brethren. <clears throat> Most of us know the, uh, uh, the story of, uh, the background story of John Newton who wrote uh, multiple hymns. He was uh, in the slave trade and uh, eventually got saved at sea and God began working in his heart, turned him away from that. And uh, uh, after leaving the, the sea, he, he went for an office job in 1755, but was still related with the, with the slave industry. And uh, he held uh, Bible studies in his Liverpool home. Uh, influenced by both the Wesleys and George Whitfield, he became increasingly disgusted with the slave trade and his role in it. He quit, was ordained into the Anglican ministry, and in 1764 took a parish in Olney in, 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 in Buckinghamshire. And uh, in 1787, Newton wrote uh, this uh, uh, article, Thoughts Upon the African Slave Trade, uh, to help William Wilberforce's campaign to end the practice of slavery. And uh, he, he said, it's a business which my heart now, which causes my heart now to shudder. And uh, God can turn, uh, has turned many away from that and, uh, and has been a great part in what? In seeing, that, in seeing slavery abolished. John Newton wrote things like, there is a fountain filled with blood. Uh, uh, glorious things of thee are spoken. And of course, best well, well known, uh, probably most well known for amazing grace, amazing grace, and uh, the power of God uh, to change uh, to change lives, for which we are we for which we are thankful. Uh, we read uh, in in our uh, founding documents. We hold these truths to be self evident that all men what are created equal. Uh, that they are endowed by their creator with certain, un certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so, uh, and so uh, we can thank God for, uh, uh, for the changes that have taken place in cultures and societies. And, uh, and God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? He knows how to best bring the good about. Uh, and... Uh, so we think about it, if slaves of the first century were called to honor these scriptural admonitions towards their masters, we should have no problem honoring and obeying our employers in a manner that would glorify God, uh, uh, glorify God today. Um, question 15 in your book asks, what will, what will characterize the work ethic of employees who work both in the fear of the Lord and as unto the Lord. 
Anybody want to share what you have for that? That's going to be things, you know, just along our, our Christian growth, the fruits of the Spirit. They're going to be faithful, honest, um, hardworking. Uh, might, might get teased, uh, 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 exhibiting these traits. Traits might get teased as a company man, you know, and uh, uh, by, the, by, by the co-workers. Uh, they're going to be honest, hardworking, desire to see their employer's business and the company they work for prosper. That's the kind of employees that God will, that God will make them. Uh, Colossians 3, uh, uh, 23. Uh, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. Even servants serve the Lord Christ. And, uh, and God uh, exalts our our secular work to a spiritual level level the moment you get born again and uh, they needed to realize the servants did that they're under the watchful eye of God uh, the flesh is tempted to be lazy uh, when uh, uh, when the boss is not around but you know what God sees all and he rewards accordingly He'll reward those who labor to the best of their ability and he'll discipline those who slack off on their job for believers. God watches over all of his children. Uh, so question 16, uh, 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 evaluating the statement, what a person does in carrying out his or her secular job today has no bearing on eternity. Well, of course, that statement is false. Uh, the moment, amen, the moment you got born again, your secular job became a, became a spiritual ministry and, uh, in which God will use you and bless you and, uh, and, and, and there will be rewards in heaven uh, for faithfulness there as well. And, uh, and uh, so we can, be, uh, we can be thankful for that. and We need to treat that as so. All right, those who, uh, who see us laboring as we should, it's going to reflect on fellow employees and employers as well. Uh, one question asked, what has, what has helped you the most to honor Christ at work? Anyone want to share anything about that? What has helped you most to honor Christ at work? Anybody? Brother Chris? Uh, it's really very simple. For me, it's just remembering your God's plan for you. There you go. That's right. That's right. It's God that puts the food on the table. And you, and you know what? He's always watching. <laughs> um, he's always watching. And uh, he's always there. And God uses your, uh, yours and my testimony at work, where, where we're at or where, wherever we're at, if we're being faithful to speak to others. You know, it, it, uh, a good witness needs to be, needs not only tell the truth, but what? Be a believable witness. <laughs> be a truthful person. And applying what, uh, uh, you know, what we learn and what we preach. All right, so living uh, like Christ at work. Uh, employees must recognize God as their ultimate authority and serve their employers like they serve God. All right, so now we're going to look at employer 
uh, to uh, to employee. Point B on the on the outline there. Masters give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing they also have a master in heaven. Uh, question 17 in your book asks, how could a believing employer carry out this command today? Anybody want to share what you have for that? Is it Charlie? By being fair. By being fair. Yep. Uh, that's pretty plain. That that which is just and equal. <laughs> uh, employers ought not to be picking favorites. Uh, for sure. Uh, paying uh, what they're worth. Uh, giving appropriate raises. Make sure work conditions are safe. Reducing stress in the workplace. Don't gossip about employees. Uh, and... Uh, Honoring, uh, honoring uh, those things. So uh, Paul's uh, words to Christian uh, slaveholders carry implications for today's Christian employers. Uh, they should be role models for other for other employers. Be honest. Uh, their word is good. You know the Bible says, "Let your communication be yea, yea, or nay, nay. What it whatsoever is more of these cometh of evil." You know, if you have to swear to something, you might, you might not be a trustworthy person. <laughs> uh, when you say yes, you ought to do it. When you say no, you ought not to do it. <laughs> and uh, God wants us to be people uh, of our word. Their employee handbooks ought to reflect their godly testimony. Having programs and policies that honor God, fairness, tolerance, uh, productivity, um, Colossians 3.17 says, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And uh, that's a pretty good uh, uh, gauge to discern whether we ought to be doing something or not. You know, if we, if we can't do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, then we ought not to do it. Amen. And uh, certainly we ought not to do it. If, can't, if we, we can, then we glorify God in it. Uh, but Christianity is what? There's no such thing as compartmental Christianity. Well, I do my Christian thing on Sunday, you know. No. It, it, we, it, Christian, it, our Christianity is to permeate all of our lives. There's no, there's no compartmental uh, Christianity. It's to affect every portion um, of our lives. So living like uh, Christ at work, employers must recognize that, that God is their authority and treat their employees fairly uh, and, uh, and justly. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> and by the way, Christians are not to take advantage of the situation if they have a Christian employer. What might be the temptation? Well, we're, you know, we're both Christians, so I should be favored. No. Well, they're both Christians, so I, you know, he should help me here or there, he or she, the, 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 you know, the employer. No, they're not to be taken advantage of. Matter of fact, uh, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, 2, They that have believing masters, let them not despise them. That means take them lightly. Well, I mean, we're on the same level. Yes, you are in Christ. No, you're not at work. Okay? And, and remember that. You honor them. Uh, 
And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Hey, if you're working for a Christian uh, um, uh, boss, that's all the more reason to be faithful in, in, in the commands of working into, as unto the Lord and as unto God. Uh, and, uh, and that's what the, what the scriptures teach, and that's what, what, uh, what we ought to do is to be faithful in that. All right, um, a brief review, and then uh, a couple of points, highlights I want to hit, and we'll be done with, uh, with uh, chapter 11 uh, of these studies. <clears throat> we thought about, about the wife. We learned about that. She's to have a loving reverence and submission as unto Christ. Uh, wives, submit, your, submit yourselves. We saw that was in the present middle imperative, the wife is called to do this for herself. Uh, this is uh, what the wife does. She, she submits uh, to her husband because the Lord has given that command. Um, we saw uh, husbands are to be what? Loving, providing, uh, protecting, leading, uh, caring for the wife, and uh, 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 be an example uh, of Christ in that love. And... Uh, they were not to be bitter against them. And we, we did this little brief study on that word bitter. Was it talking about feelings inside? Was it talking about harsh actions? And the word there is a little bit, um, uh, uh, little bit vague even in the Greek, being a present, and it could be passive or middle, imperative. But the scriptures nonetheless uh, give a clear precept in, Ma in Malachi 2.16 uh, that covers both. Uh, we saw that for the Lord, the God of Israel, say it that, Say that he hated the putting away, for one covered uh, violence with his garment, uh, saith Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously with, with the wife of your youth. So, so God says both. Have a right spirit and have right deeds. Be careful you're not bitter either in spirit or in deed uh, to your wife. And, uh, and we are uh, uh, given that clearly in the word of God. We saw children are to obey their parents. That's their main focus in spirituality is to obey their parents. Parents are to be teaching them the things of God. We our parents are to have what? That one mind so they don't get divided, get different instructions to have that one mind. Supposed to be mixed with plenty of love. We are supposed to, parents are supposed to discipline uh, children. And since discipline is not fun, it has to be mixed with love. It has to be consistent so, so that they learn uh, and uh, also thinking about the home, of just a few thoughts. Uh, I was thinking of the preeminence of the home uh, and the church, since, since it's, uh, it's talking about Christianity and the relationships. They mentioned home and work. Uh, uh, the home is, is, uh, is really husband and wife. The marriage is really the, the first institution of God uh, in the Bible. And it has a, an exalted position because of that. Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they, and they shall be one flesh. Uh, should be one flesh. Uh, and so uh, what, a, what a glorious picture that is. You know what Jesus said about his disciples? That we should be what? One. Think about how, this, how a godly marriage will picture Christ and his church. Jesus said we're all one in him. Husband and wife are what? One flesh. One flesh. Uh, 
Ephesians 5.23 says the husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And uh, goes on to say, verse 24, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in all things. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So we think about this. Uh, how, are, how is the church subject unto Christ? Willingly. Has, has Christ ever forced you to obey his commandments? Most of us would have to say no. We are to do that what? Willingly. And what's the motive that God's looking for that he'll reward if we'll do that? There's only one, and it's love. It's love. Isn't that, that's just how the marriage, that's how the marriage works. The wife is to do it willingly, and she's to do it out of love for God and love for her husband. You see how it reflects that? And the husband is what? Is to lead the wife in what? A loving manner. Uh, he's to have a, a uh, loving, providing, protecting, leading, sacrificial love. Didn't Christ fill all, fulfill all those things toward us? Yes, he did. And so the husband that will do that will be a reflection of Christ. And the wife that will fill her role will be a reflection of the church. Uh, uh, of the church. And so uh, you have you have uh, you have that that beautiful picture of uh, uh, of the church in 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 the uh, in the marriage, uh, <clears throat> unforced willful submission, and uh, a loving, providing, and protecting, self-sacrificing leadership. Uh, Jesus said. Uh, to Peter, uh, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Husbands are to be as Christ, also, to love their wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, Ephesians uh, 5.25. And the church also, and I think maybe the last chapter, one of the later chapters, we'll address this some more. Some more but, but as far as relationships, the church is precious in God's eyes. This husband and wife is a special love. But you know what? The love of the brethren is a special love too. And God expects us to honor it as such. Uh, in 1 Peter 1.22, Peter writes, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. You see, when we get born again, we don't have to fake love. It's in our hearts, the Holy Spirit. If we yield to the Holy Spirit, He will want to love our brethren through that. And we, we need to have our motives purified in that. Sometimes we'll want to help a brother out, you know, for something we can get out of it. You know, we still have those old lost motives hanging around, don't we? And we have to submit those. Uh, we have to, that, that's that old clothing we have to put off we saw earlier in the lesson. And, and do things out of love and with right motives. Uh, love of the brethren. Uh, John wrote in 1 John 4, uh, he talks about the family of God through, the, through, through 1 John. And, and uh, he writes in actually 1 John uh, 5, 1, he says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone lo that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. And uh, uh, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. God puts a love in our hearts for the family of God. 
and uh, we ought to be exercising that love uh, on, on a regular basis and glorifying, uh, glorifying God in that. And with that, uh, we'll know the joy of the Spirit working through us, and, uh, and God uh, will be glorified. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word. And Father, uh, I thank you that because of salvation, because of what your Son has purchased for us, and, and oh, might we often ponder the, uh, the great price that, that Christ willingly paid for us, that our hearts might be moved. But because of all that, because... Uh, because we, through his poverty, can now be made rich. Uh, Lord, I pray to help us to serve you with a pure heart fervently. And God, uh, uh, to be at home what we ought to be, to be at work what we ought to be, to be in the church, dear God, what we ought to be. And Father, to be in our relationships what we ought to be, to know that in all things we're always serving you. And you're worthy of it to submit ourselves as willing servants, even bond slaves, as the, as the Apostle Paul said, uh, for your service. And God, uh, we pray you'd help us in these things and to be faithful to you to return. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.